Welcome back to the Couch Command Podcast. My name is Keith Hayward. I'll be your host. Um, we are on popgeeks.com. Thanks to my friend Eileen. And our podcast is produced by another friend of mine, Brian Klein, the Sonic Clang. Uh, the intro and outro music is done by The Starcadian. I highly recommend listening to his music. He makes what he calls ear music, which is music that takes the three-act structure of a movie, of the introduction, the trouble in the middle, and then you look at the climactic victory, and uh, that's how he makes his music. It's fantastic. With me today, I have MJ. Howdy, howdy. All right. Also returning is Void Cat. Thank you for coming back again. I'm happy to be here talking about right. some nerd stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let's see our geek on. Um, let's see. What I've been geeking on is, uh, let's see. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about is revisiting have you guys ever seen jewel of the nile or romancing the stone uh romancing the stone yeah for like what? ages ago <laughs> yeah yeah uh i'm not sure what got oh um when i play a game called earth defense force uh i always say this is space invaders and uh it's one of my favorite lines from jewel of the nile where uh michael douglas um he's like piloting a a fighter jet on the ground against tanks and like he figures out how to shoot the gun and he goes this is space invaders and i've just been dying to go back to it and it's a beautiful marriage of like the romance novels that my mom used to love with indiana jones it's uh, about a writer uh who writes romance novels who gets swept away on an indiana jones adventure and yeah the it's it's fun it's easygoing it's beautiful and um and hilarious and massively quotable, especially Jewel the Idol. Um, so I'd recommend seeing that. Uh, also, have you guys been swallowing the Mandalorian? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, no. Wait. Do you, is it because I don't care about Star Wars? Um, it's because I'm frustrated with Star Wars, yes. Oh, all right, all right. Um, I'll say the Mandalorian keeps on being Star Wars the Apology. Like, uh, you can very much tell how much they're like, we know, we know, we know. And um, each season, each episode to me, just kind of gives us a clean, fun, this is why we love Star Wars Adventure. Uh, MJ, what do you think of the new season? Oh, um, yeah, in in a minute, MJ. Or MJ, uh, what do you think of the new season? Uh, It's been great so far. Um, I know some people are getting a little annoyed with, oh, they're starting to mash in all this additional... Yeah. Lore from all the other parts of Star Wars, and like, uh, duh, it's part of the Floniverse. What do you expect? I, I mean, what I think, <laughs> I, I, what I think I, is happening is like, it, it was a successful formula finally, and then the rest of Disney's like, can you save the rest of us, please? And now they're bringing in everything because it's the pillar of what people love, and maybe they can write those coattails to make the money. It's, I don't. It, last season was more about that. I mean, you know, bringing in Luke and all those other I mean, the X wings, and you know, reminding everybody like, "Hey, it's New Republic out there." Like that was more of last season. This season is totally flowy. It's more of plugging back into stuff that he started with Clone Wars and Rebels and doing what I was hoping they were going to do last season, and actually going back to Mandalore and starting yeah, to get boy. into the actual Mandalorian lore. So and then you know the ending with um, Bo-Katan saving Din. And I can't believe he went walking off without checking to see how freaking deep the living waters was. <laughs> um, 
Well, he, had, he was being, and like, he was holy being shit. If you're baptized, you have to go through a near-death experience of death and then rebirth, so it makes sense. And seeing Starbuck return as Bo-Katan, she's killing it. I love seeing her on screen. She's fun. Uh, and she has her own Starfighter, which uh, looks really cool. So I'm enjoying it. Even if the wings are horribly impractical. I just uh, that that ship design just because I like Kylo Ren's ship in the sequel trilogy oh, yeah. with the huge oversized wings. Like, what is the functional purpose of that outside of just looking monolithic and imposing? Um, hey. hover, hovering and landing. Well, we were just we were just talking about this um, when we were talking about dread. Uh, the, the the look and the imposing and the scaring of the people who see it is is the important bit. <laughs> There's an importance to cool factor. And I guess that is a little extra, which kind of fits the whole persona of Kylo Ren when it comes to the sequel trilogy, but yeah, the whole folding, massive folding up wing for Bo-Katan's ship, I'm like, what, what is the purpose of that? It just I, looks I, stupid. My my love of it is so that uh, haha, we don't get to see Kylo Ren's stupid ship. We get to see Bo-Katan's now. now. Now this design blows Bo-Katan, and let's never speak of Kylo Ren ever again. But yeah, other than that, yeah, it's it's great seeing more of Sackoff come in, and I'm hoping they don't try to wedge in some stupid romance storyline between Bo-Katan and Din, because mm-hmm. not gonna mm-hmm. happen. I got it, man. I, I don't know lately, much. man. I just every time I think they're gonna hold every- fast and not go down that route, so they just like, hey, look, every- the part has a son. Hey, look, Bo-Katan and Din are gonna. Getting the thing. It's, I do uh, want that to happen with Asuka and Luke Skywalker, uh, but Bo-Katan and Din, I they I completely see them not do any affection to each other whatsoever. They are both just Mandalorians. Wait, wait, wait. Do, do, do you want it to happen with Ashoka and Luke because they were both betrayed by Anakin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I do. Yes, <laughs> like, like laying in bed together. You know what's fucked up? What's fucked up? Oh my god! I can't believe yeah, I can't believe that. I can't believe it. Yes. Just... And plus, like, Luke, he never gets the girl, man. It, it, I've been uh, salty about the latest... Uh, before she was his sister. I've been salty about that ever since. So... And Ahsoka's awesome. Luke's awesome. We'll, let's see them kiss. Let's, let's just no, give those two No, I away. want that even less than Din and Bo-Katan, man. Just... Because no. you don't want to see... You don't, you don't want to see, like... I would imagine. That don't do that. Don't do that to Ahsoka. Little, don't forced. do it to Luke. A little, a little forced. It's a little forced. I know. Uh, no pun intended. That, and I'm still <laughs> holding out hope that they're gonna let the other ball drop and they'll bring Mara in. But you know, that's just me. Since they've borrowed so liberally from the Legends universe up till now, as it is. Um, which, which I find really interesting, considering how they, when they were working on the movies, they were like, "We're deliberately going to absolutely do the opposite of anything that has happened in the extended yep. universe." And now they were like, "Oh, maybe people liked it for a reason." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, fucked up. How about some uh, extended universe guys? Uh huh. So what for that? Yeah, as soon as Thrawn showed up in Rebels, like you cherry picking bastards, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, but oh. yeah, I, it, Mandalorian's off to a good start. I, I hope they keep going with. What they got um, going, and I, yeah, I'm just wondering how what's going to end up happening with the dark because you know Bo-Katan is hot to trot to get that away from Din, and Din obviously doesn't want the damn thing, mm-hmm. but he won it; it's his, so he's honor bound by the lore, by the possession of the dark saber to maintain it. So you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, and what end- ultimately ends up happening with Mandalore. 
And I sense this is place setting. So I, I believe there's going to be a big payoff by the end that's going to like rocket us into a saga. So I'm curious where this is going to go. Um, Unless it's an and or ending, then it's just going to be like, eh, it happened. Last night, I finally gave in and watched The Last of Us and rocketed through four episodes of it. Dang, that's, that's some heavy stuff to be watching like in a row. Yeah, yeah. Um, me and a friend were going to watch a movie, and then we, we watched one episode, and then two episodes, and then we're going to hang out a bit longer. We don't want to do another two-hour movie, but so we stay with The Last of Us. But yeah, I, I, I'm usually not game for that, and I was after four, I was definitely done. I was tapped out of that kind of uh, stress, but... Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, everyone was right. Uh, it's a masterwork. They are killing it. Um, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, I was I was worried. I was worried. Like, is this going to be like uh, male versus female? Any kind of drama building up? So we have fandoms arguing. I don't want to play this game anymore. Please don't do this. But nope. no, well, thank God. I love. It's like I said a couple weeks ago. It's all the best episodes of Walking Dead all in a yes. row, and with seventy percent less zombies. Um, I did not that watch The there. Walking Dead. I didn't play the game, but I knew what the ending of the game was. Like you know, I know the basics. Um. I think the the rhythm is really good. Every episode mm-hmm. is a really good like uh, self contained story. I really mm-hmm. like all of the world building that they're doing with the non Ellie and uh, and uh, Joel stuff. Um, and I was delighted at the very beginning of the first episode to see um, uh, Christopher Hardall, who Keith, um, if you didn't recognize him, Christopher Hardall plays two characters in Stargate Atlantis. Um, what, what? He plays Holling, who is uh, like the uh, father of the kid um, from the Athosians in the first couple of episodes, um, and like the one Athosian that you see the most aside from Taylor. And he also oh. plays Todd. Oh shit! Wait, Love Christopher Hardall. He deserves to be in way more. He was in the Todd. first Ooh. scene. Um, Todd is the wraith that they're buddies with, kind of. Who yeah, was who he in the last in? of us? Yeah. Um, he's in the very first scene. He's the scientist. That, oh. you know, the two scientists are being interviewed. He's the one who's like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Oh, the interviewer? I need you to stop talking. No, not the interviewer. The oh. scientist that's like, our body heat is too high. That that will never happen. And then the other guy's oh, like, cool. what if the earth heats up, though? Um, And he did a really, like, nuanced performance. I love it. Because you can see him sitting there. And it's an interview. It's televised. He's trying his best to be respectful. But, like, it's clear that, like, the other scientist is talking. And he's like, that's that's trash. That's that's not real science. You're wrong. What are you doing? Stop it! And then he finally is like, hold on. <laughs> anyway. Wow. Absolutely didn't notice. And looking up. And that is cool. I love me some Stargate Atlantis people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the uh, other guy Ellie is the guy and- from The Mummy. P.S. <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, 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 Spartacus Blood and Sand. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, know. you guys. I don't know. Like <laughs> uh, if you want to see his best performance, Spartacus Blood and Sand, Batiatis, he is a thundering presence. He That's his best performance by uh, by far. He's amazing. And he gets um, to hang out with Lucy Lawless. Yes. <laughs> he gets to be Lucy Lawless' uh, husband. And Lucy Lawless is, is not afraid to be nude. And uh, oh my God, I, I can't believe that happened in my life. <laughs> and I was like so happy. Like, thank you, Lucy Lawless. God bless you. Um, Zena's naked. What is yeah. <laughs> it? Yeah. So you're such... not going to try to be caught up on Last of Us before the finale tomorrow night? Um, 
Probably will make it by then, but oh my god, I, I, I'm dying! Please, I can't believe it's already done. Only nine pod- episodes in this season. How dare you? I expected ten. Um, so did yeah. I. So did so, we. <laughs> if you guys want, or want a podcast about that, I'd love to. Because um, sure, let's do a separate podcast for that. Why? Yeah, not? El- Ellie and Joel. Uh, that the, the, their chemistry is amazing. It's it's electric and and fun and and it makes my heart warm. And I love how like on even footing they are without belittling each other, which <clears throat> I, I was like the. I mean, the, they do do that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, in in great uh, loving uh, nature, mm-hmm. uh, they do it to each other. I love that. Um, but like from the promo images, I expected Joel. I thought they were going to do the whole thing. Ah, Joel, whatever. He's he's more of a background setting. Ellie's the main character, and I was like, no, please don't. But they didn't. Did like, did you, did do you know anything about the video game? Yes. Okay. Um, yes. So I know all the big beats that happen in the video game. Yeah, yeah. So I want, I'm very curious to see how they navigate that. I am very, very, very curious. And it's going to oh, be wait until you get to episode up. eight, Keith. You'll, that's a great Ellie episode. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm watching, I'm watching it. I haven't played the game, like I said, but I'm watching it with some of my friends, and half of them have played the game, and the other half haven't. And it's been really interesting, like, seeing a which bits they whisper mm-hmm. um and from from their point of view what they said is like some bits are you know just straight out of the game the bits that are not straight out of the game are like really good world building and th- there's there are a couple places where you could tell like um uh, one of the episodes where they're at one of the other qz's um like they go inside uh, ellie goes inside a little hole and then from there it's like clear that that was like a specific video game setting right like i was so mad when she did that uh in underneath the convenience store um she did like me and my friends have classifications of characters and she is a little jane doe uh the female version of the little jimmy they Mm -hmm. both do the same annoying things where you say all right little jimmy little jane doe stay here do not wander off okay they immediately wander off and get captured god damn it little jimmy um, um and yeah sure. climbing down into like that hole in a world of active monsters i just ugh, god that drove me crazy that 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 was my one annoyance yeah. um, too yeah famously ellie though is in, in video games one of the the characters that you have to bring around that isn't a terribly annoying ai that's constantly wandering into danger like she's actually capable of cool hiding behind shit and stuff it's great so I think they've reflected that pretty well where like even when she does crazy shit like she's keeping an eye out she's actually like sneaking properly a feature of little Jimmy's and little Jane Doe's is each time they encounter something horrific and dangerous they level up massively so (laughs) by the end of their adventure they become hero and uh, Luke Skywalker is the first little Jimmy that we we made note of so (laughs) that's how they work out Um, true the yeah. other fun thing about the series is they kind of sneak in the original voice actors from the game in minor roles, like uh, tr- a couple like, places, yeah, yeah, like uh, Troy Baker who um, voiced Joel shows up in episode eight. Cool. Um, but, Supposedly, but, the actress who did Ellie's voice is supposed to be in the finale too. Uh, interesting. Nice. Hmm. The, I the I head saw, firefly. Uh, I have no idea. the The head firefly is actually straight up the actress that played that character in the video game. Oh, nice. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, um, and this one last thing about the show that I really loved was uh, seeing Joel pick up the assault rifle <laughs> um, after he beat to death that one guard. Uh, yep, like that—that's a thing that like drove me crazy in uh, Dread 2012, 
where like they're going through uh they're fighting and they leave behind a whole lot of guns and i was like Ugh. like there's a pet peeve throughout any movie or thing if you kill some people you need weapons in this world i don't want to see you walk away from all their equipment on their belt I will argue with you about Dredd specifically that it's such a, he's so used to like, this is my judge gear. I do not use anything but my judge gear. The only time that he ever picks up ammo is because it's from another judge. But aside from that, you're right. It annoys me when they do that in like movies where you're like, you, you're you really just going to leave that machine gun? I mean. Yeah, you got limited ammo. You, and he did okay. run out of ammo. And like, he, he could have used like a couple of those machine guns on his back. But oh no, I have to use my signature weapon. <laughs> Another quick thing about the cameos from the first episode while we were talking about it. Um, did you guys recognize the actor who played the uh, soldier that Joel beats up at the end of the first episode? No. I did not. You remember the little kid from the beginning of Jurassic Park that Alan Grant drags the Velociraptor claw across his belly to scare him? Whoa, yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. It took me like half hour after I watched the episode, I'm like, where do I know his damn face? That's the kid! Holy crap! <laughs> I can see it, but I would never have seen it if you didn't say something. I haven't seen the episode since it came out, so I don't remember. Alright, and then lastly for me is uh, the Three Body Problem TV series that is finally uh, finished. It was fantastic. I the Chinese it. one, right? Yep, uh, the Chinese one that they wanted to make sure they got out before the Netflix one. I'm dying to see how the Netflix one tries to do three body problem. Cause it's specifically like, it's important that you see it from the Chinese point of view. And I don't think they'll be doing that in Netflix. Mm-hmm. So, so what is the, it's like what 50 episodes and they're like 50 minutes a piece. 30, mm-hmm. 30 episodes, 30 episodes. 30 surprisingly. episodes. That's yeah, long. Yeah, it is. Uh, I was quite surprised, but like for me, it was part of my morning routine. I'd have breakfast and watch three body problem and, um, it was great. I enjoyed having that part of my mornings, and the episodes went by swiftly. They changed, and like it was uh, massively faithful to the book. There's a few changes that were always understandable because there would be things happening where the person's alone, but you'd have someone to sound off of. So they include another character, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was fantastic all the way to the end. Um, I just wonder. The budget that I saw on screen, like, there's a giant time jump that ends up with, like, you know, space fleets um, by the end of the book. And then the third book, you go so hard cosmic that I wonder if they'll actually make it there and if anyone has the television budget to make them. So that's my feelings on 3 by Problem TV series. I think that it is always best. I don't mean to be a book snob, I don't want to be one of those people. But, um, yeah, the, the, the fun of the series for me was, like, how are they going to pull off what was in the book that seems that you can't pull off? And, I, yeah, I would recommend watching the book, reading the book first. Then you get to experience how they do it in TV series. So, yeah, that's all I've been geeking on. Uh, MJ, what have you been geeking on? Um, Hulu put out uh, History of the World Part 2, which is the long, long, supposedly long-awaited sequel to Mel Brooks' 1981 movie. Holy and shit. so, leading up to it, I decided, what the hell, I'll go watch all of Mel Brooks' movies again, because I haven't watched some of his best ones, like um, Young Frankenstein and History of the mm-hmm. World Part 1 and Spaceballs for a while. 
Mm-hmm. And I decided to watch all the other ones I've never seen of his, and I had no idea the guy had that many freaking movies. Uh, there's he's he has like twelve movies out, but he hasn't made one since 1995. But um, it was fun watching, going back and watching through like uh, High Anxiety. It was like his send up to Alfred Hitchcock movies, which was a lot of fun. And Silent Movie, he did a completely silent movie in 1976. You know, go figure. Only he could have pulled that off. He even managed to get Burt Reynolds and um, Paul Newman and a few other big names of the time in there, and the only word of dialogue in the entire movie was spoken by a mime. Perfection. Yeah, nice. Um, I saw the original good. producers, which I'd never seen before with Gene Wilder, and that one, it's not nearly as good as the 2005 one with Nathan Lane and um, Matthew Broderick. But um, Springtime for Hitler is still a show-stopping number. Um... Rewatched Young Frank, you know, rewatched all the other classics. Blazing Saddles, I'm still not a fan. I know a lot of people that call me blasphemous for thinking Blazing Saddles is not one of his best works, but I only it's, laughed it, once that entire movie. Experience. It's a rough experience. Yeah. But it has some greatness in it. Yeah, Gene Wilder's, you know, Moron's line is still the funniest part of the entire <laughs> game movie. But, um, yeah, History of the World Part 1 was still my favorite of his. But then got to History of the World Part 2. It was a nice try. I've Ooh. seen episodes of Drunk History that was better written and better produced than the entire eight-episode run that they did of History of the World Part Two. I mean, they had a couple of decent bits, like uh, Kirby or Judaism with uh, Judas instead of Larry David. That was fun. Cute. Um, then they had Concestry.com, where you could trace all of your ancestry back to Kublai Khan, because, you know, he was notorious for screwing half the planet. Yep. Um, that was funny, but by and large, that's... I feel bad for Mel Brooks if that's going to potentially be his legacy because it was not good. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd imagine Almost that. Not, and I'm surprised not, that he not did as it. bad or boring as Dracula Dead and loving it, but. Eh. Yeah, but, I think uh, I saw that and I think I was shocked at how unfunny it was. Yeah, he played it straight yeah. up and it was just boring. <laughs> that's kind of um, what I expected, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. In the back of my mind, I was expecting it to not be that great, but kind of hoping for a little more. I mean, the fact that they got Zazie Beats and she was bored as Mary Magdalene the entire time. Like, okay, you're definitely doing something wrong if even Zazie Beats is bored and doesn't know what to do. So. Sounds like doing mm. it just to be doing it. Yep, they thought it would make money, so they made it. Mm. Yep, and they're hoping to make a season two, and I hope they don't. Mm. But. Ah uh, yes, just uh, instead of making new things, we don't want to. We don't want to spend money on something that might fail. So instead, let's just remake something that nobody has seen in ten years. I'm sure it'll make plenty of money, and nobody will be upset. Haha. <laughs> this idea yeah. will be a good bet. Should have been, but they've been better off making a sequel to Young Frankenstein than. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know what the hell they would have done. They've done definitely uh, to get it better, but. The sequel of Young Frankenstein would have been Frankenstein and Madeline Kant's Child? Hmm? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Well, the thing is with um, Mel Brooks movies, I mean, they're all kind of lampooning a certain genre and certain time in filmmaking, sure. like silent movie, and you know, Young Frankenstein was a sign-up to the old 50s monster movies and all that stuff. I mean... They just kind of forgot what made Mel Brooks movies good in the first place, which even Mel Brooks himself kind of lost track of after History of the World Part 1, because if we're being honest, none of his movies are really that good after History of the World. If you want some even good Mel Brooks... Spaceballs, I know Brooks. I'm kind of blasphemous for saying Spaceballs isn't that Ooh. great, but... <laughs> I don't know about that one. 
yeah, you rewatch it, and you know, some of the jokes are still pretty damn funny. I mean, mm-hmm. they've got the plaid. They'll always be funny, but yep. it's We've really been not that jammed. good. good. <laughs> it's really not that good of a movie. I'm sorry to say, but. killed it when I was twelve. Um, yeah, that was the first one I ever saw of his was Spaceballs, but then I saw History of the Part World Part One, and it just blew it away. I would really recommend uh, doing a Google search for an interview with uh, Mel Brooks, though. Uh, him and, like, I think it's his granddaughter. Uh, she interviews him, and it was beautiful. Like, he talks about his life, lost friends, adventures, and just, like, his creative process. So if you want, like, a good Mel Brooks to go out, uh, go out on, like, that interview, which I think, I think was a self-pitch by her, his granddaughter, who was trying to also, hey, you know, I'm also working on a TV show. Eyes shifting. And, and, and like, he's like, well, how are you going to pay here? Look, I'll, I'll, I'll call some people for you, he says. And it's, it's seen, and like, you can see the genuine love between those two, though. And it was a lot of fun seeing them play off each other and talk about life. So, I recommend looking I'll that, look up. that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It was very good. Uh, the other thing, I actually, against my better judgment, decided to check out M. Night Shyamalan's latest one, Knock at the Cabin. Aww. I was expecting that to be good. My fingers are still crossed. It, no, it it was decent. It's not as infuriating as, say, The Village, or um, Glass, or God damn him, The Last Airbender. Um, Let's not speak of. We're never going to talk about that movie again. It did not happen. That, no. What? <laughs> no. Although um, no, I thought glass is no wait, glass is fine. Disagree. I didn't like glass. Okay. Wait, what, what was the one with like split? That that yeah, glass was terrible. Oh, I'm thinking of uh, the the one that you didn't know was a sequel. Um, with the it was Patricia you were talking to. Um, uh, split. yeah, split. split. Yeah. I didn't I didn't like split either. Um, <laughs> I I felt like split uh, really. Um, you know. Uh, Disrespectful to the real problems of. Uh, yep, exactly. Uh, I, I I could see that. Um, for me, I was like looking at his own world, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed. I enjoyed the 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 performance. Uh, uh, James McAvoy. Yeah. I thought he was. James really McAvoy did good. a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't like the plot overall. <laughs> Understood. Uh, yeah, and then like yeah, it's like one of those things for me where like I often don't pay attention or give enough credit to, to acting. And mm-hmm. his his job on there was so good that it made me stand up and go, oh, shit. Yeah, you know, I should pay more attention to the skill of acting. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm sorry to hear that his latest outing is um, okay. But I, I thought uh, The Village was a ground rule double. I, I thought that was I thought that was pretty legit. Did you see The Village? I did not. Oh, all right. Never mind. Ground rule double. Um, I, I've kind of been avoiding Shyamalan movies for a while. Uh, Understandable. I think Split was the last one I saw. That was the last good one. <laughs> oh, and I, I'll step Again, to bat. I disagree. <laughs> I, I'll step to bat for Lady in the Lake or Lady in the Water. I thought that was pretty good. I never did see that one. I kind of gave up on Shyamalan for a while after The Village. And then mm-hmm. I like so Signs. Like, that's that's still one of my favorite yeah, ones. But, um, I liked Signs. Um I, I saw it in the movie theater with like my my older half sister. I think it, I, I liked it upon watching it, and then later on when I was thinking about the plot, I was like, "That's nonsensical." Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so wait, did you see his opus uh, with uh, Marky Mark and Evil Wind? What's that called? What 
Uh, no, the, the one hat. that was like the, his grand uh, fuck up that everybody like loves to dunk on. Oh, I thought that was Avatar. <laughs> no, is uh, Mark Wahlberg, and um, it turned out to be like the trees and, and the grass were killing people. Uh, I want to say it's a happening or something like that. Yeah, that's, that's uh, the happening. The happening. Did you guys see the happening? No. Oh wow! I recommend seeing that one. It, uh, it's so amazingly bad. Uh, I saw it in the theater and like my jaw was slack afterwards and like I was like dazed. I was like, I what 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 happened? I uh oh my god. Yeah, yeah, I highly recommend you you have to see it to believe it. Um there's a chase sequence where wind is is going over grass and you have to outrun the wind that's bending the grass cuz then you'll die. It's it's so good. Uh, I mean I mean bad. I just but, Here, yeah. here's the question. Did he write the screenplay or was he adapting it from something else? I'm pretty sure he wrote and directed that one. That was like his biggest, like, okay, let's, if we're done, Nim Knight, you're, you're out of here, man. After the happening, everybody <laughs> says, stop. Please don't do that ever again. I don't know what happened. But yeah, well, it, you got to see that shit. It's, it was really good. I mean, really bad, good. Good, bad. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, <laughs> Knock at the Cabin, he is uh, adapting a book. And it's about a family that's uh, vacationing, and four strangers wander onto the land and start intimidating them and start telling them that they alone have to make up their minds about what sacrifices they have to make to help save the world, because if they don't, then the apocalypse is upon them. And Funny. Oh, of course. That old I... chestnut. Yeah, yeah, and to, I mean, to his credit, Dave Bautista is pretty damn awesome, and it still amazes me how nuanced yeah. that, that can be acting sometimes for being a big, muscly meathead. Seeing him in Blade Runner made me go, whoa, what the hell happened? Like, how are you that good? Yeah, and, I mean, the cast is actually pretty fairly decent. Even Ron Weasley himself is in it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Speaking of the Weasleys. um, The biggest problem with the movie is, from what I understand, he totally changed the ending of the book. I haven't read the book, but from reviews I've been reading online, he dramatically changed the ending of the book to the screen. On, he, you don't you can't do endings well we've talked about this you know this your you, people make fun of your your plot <laughs> twist all the time maybe just leave it as is and see what happens sometimes yeah, he, i think that's a good thing so that you get something different when you watch the movie and then you can still be surprised when you read the book yeah he's not as he's not as bullish with the uh surprise twist like he usually is with the movies so i'll give him that on this one but he's got this bullish subtlety to his movies that I finally realized watching this that just annoys me. It just distracts me too much from what he's actually trying to say on the screen. And he's trying so hard to frame every shot in this exotic and over-intriguing way. And like, dude, just shoot the fucking scene. <laughs> tell the story. Don't, 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 don't outstylize yourself. Just tell the goddamn story. I... I, I do have this frustration a lot with some of the new stuff coming out where they focus so much on the like um the intrigue that they don't actually tell the story. Like mm-hmm. we we've seen that in TV shows with like uh Ring of Power, I feel like had this issue with the trying to make everything a puzzle box and you're like, Okay, just just go through the plot. Box. If you just do the plot, it will be fine. Because they're <laughs> trying to get people to jump onto the internet and be like, Who is this? Who is this character? I think it's this character actually every single week and like it's stupid. I hate it. Stop. I need to call Fran Walsh back in. Please let her write it. Please, please, God, please. Oh, God. Yeah. Rings of Power. We we talked about that. That was sad. 
But as far as Knockout Cabin, it's middle of the road for M. Night. It's not his best, it's not his worst, it's just there. (laughs) (laughs) So, I I, I was was waiting to be horribly disappointed as I usually end up being with M. Night, and I wasn't horribly disappointed, but I can't recommend it. Alright. So. But anyway, that's what I've mainly been geeking on. And lastly, Void Cat. What have you been geeking um, on? Or what are you, what are you looking forward to geek on? Yeah, what's, what are you, what's your favorite? Yeah, yeah, I have a couple answers here. Um, one, um, I'm rereading the uh, Hunter Hunter manga right now because um, Togashi, um, the, the, the manga artist, um, recently finally released some chapters. Uh, it's been on hiatus for quite a while because he has like... Um, health problems um and he's about to release another chapter so i'm really excited about that um the plot right now is right towards the end of an arc where you know all of the shit is about to start going down so uh you know all of us that are still reading hunter hunter um whenever it comes out are just like vibrating in our seats because this is like the the most ridiculous arc so far it has the most characters it's a succession arc so basically the king is like I'm going to die soon. I'm trying to pick my successors out of these 14 children that I have, prince and princesses. Um, I think they're all called princes, but, you know, there's both genders, whatever. Um, The youngest is a baby. The oldest is, like, you know, in his 40s. Um, And um, all of them get these things called Nen Beasts, um, which is already kind of a spoiler for people who don't know anything about Hunter Hunter. But, um... They're basically like 14 different factions on this ship that all want to win because they only become the successor when they wipe out the other 13 princes. Um, And there's some mafia involved on board and some of the mafia belongs to some of the princes and some of them don't. So when the fighting starts, it's going to be a bloodbath. Um, There's like three different people, uh, groups of people that are unrelated to that, um, like succession as well, um, including two of the, the main cast. So, um, we're getting ready for some tears and a lot of blood, and I'm very excited, but it's going to take forever to come out. <laughs> I hear it is, like, Hunter Hunter is, you know, close to being One Piece caliber. Um, I mean, I, I would not say that, because One Piece has been consistently coming out, whereas uh, Hunter Hunter goes on a lot of hiatuses, um, mm-hmm. again, because Togashi is, like, having health issues. Um, but it has been running for about the same amount of time. Um, I think Hunter Hunter started in 98. Um, but it certainly has a lot less episodes. Um, there was a TV show, there was an anime version that came out in 99, which was only the first kind of two, three arcs. And then in 2011, they released another anime. That team said that when the arc is done, they'll animate it, but we'll see how long that takes. Uh, The 2011 anime is really good. I recommend watching it. Uh, it It's my favorite anime ever. Um, there's a bit that really blows me away, and I can't tell you why because it's a major spoiler. But if you like anime, if you like shonen anime, and you like um, kind of subversive commentary, it, it's definitely one that I recommend watching. Every arc is like a different genre, basically. Ooh. Like All the right. first one's a tournament arc. Well, the first two, maybe, and then mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil it. But no, yeah, go watch it. It, it. it can develop into is a spoiler because uh, if so, yeah, don't tell me. But I, I've been curious about it for a long time. Game watch it again. 
All right. All right. It's my it's my it's my very favorite anime. Over One Piece. <laughs> saying this, saying you're saying this on 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 record. On record, I like Hunter Hunter more than I like One Piece. Mother One Piece fuck. has a dear place in my heart. Again, One Piece is one of the only uh the only animes that ever or things in general, just pieces of fiction that made me cry over a ship. Mm-hmm. Um but Hunter Hunter beats it. I'm sorry, One Piece. All right. Love you, Zoro. <laughs> um, things that I've been watching, uh, the 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 best like live action anime that live action thing that I've been watching right now is uh, Last of Us. So we already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the thing I'm really excited about is the D and D movie finally coming out. Um, I'm a I'm a big fan of Chris Pine. Um, I, I didn't like the plots of the new Star Trek movies by J.J. Abrams, but I think that the whole cast did an amazing job. Um, Chris Pine, Carl Urban, uh, and the rest of them, like, they all did a great job, you know, bringing those characters back to life. Uh, I think Chris Pine's comedy is really, like, he, he just gets the timing right. Um, so I'm excited to see this, like, silly movie. It's... I hope it's a silly action movie. Like there's no need for Dungeons and Dragons to be taken super seriously. Like I play Dungeons and Dragons every Saturday morning. I played this morning before we recorded the podcast, you know, and even in the direst of circumstances, the players are always making like dumb jokes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that should be reflected in the D and D movies. And all the ones in the past were like trying way too hard to be super serious fantasy. And and it's, there's no reason to do that. This silly shit going on all the time. So and that's the I, impression I got from the trailer. It seems like it was written by a bunch of guys or a bunch of folks who just sat around and played the game for a while. Exactly. It looks like it's going to be silly. So I'm really excited about it. Um, my, it comes out very soon. My fingers are crossed on it. I'm scared a little bit. Yeah, uh-huh. the D and D movies kind of have like a cursed history, but here we are. <laughs> cursed indeed. Yeah, like I was like hyper focused on that first one. That came out and I like I like blew my friends in the email boxes up with like guys this is gonna be amazing this guy named Courtney Solomon I'm so sorry <laughs> it's gonna be, guys we can't wait and then like we walked out of it and like I was in denial about how bad it was and I was like oh my god yep so and then like how silly I am seeing the trailers be make me scared they'll go too goofy on it and there won't be any way to any danger and it'll just be slapstick comedy. And- oh, they're going at Revel's End, so there's, there's going to be some danger. That's actually where my D&D game is right now, and it's terrifying. So You're going to where? Good luck to them. Revel's End is like the ultimate high-max prison in uh, the the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, cool. I don't. I didn't know of like locations in Dungeons & Dragons. So, all right. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm geeking about. All right. Um, yeah, I, this is like, uh, one of our shorter episodes. Uh, a lot of us have, we got some things to get to. So I think, um, we'll end this up with like, um, a recommendation right. from each. Cool. Uh, watch last of us. If you haven't yet, that's all, all right. I got. MJ, what would you recommend? Two quick ones. Uh, Creed three went and saw that last weekend. Um, it's not quite as good as the first Creed, but it's pretty damn close. Um, Highly recommend going to see it, especially if you're a Rocky fan or a fan of the first two Creed movies. And Brian Cooler coming back and working with Michael B. Jordan and getting Jonathan Majors in for it, I hope that keeps going because that's a pretty damn good team to keep working together for that franchise. Even nice. if it, even if it was the first Rocky movie that didn't have Rocky in it. So, um, 
the other one, and I don't know why it's just suddenly becoming a big thing on the internet, but I've finally sat down and watched Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, after everyone started raving about yes, it. Yes, people went crazy about that movie. That is a pretty damn good kids movie. It's a little too predictable with how some things tie up at the end, but it was it was a good, fun movie. Um, it was actually kind of neat if you're a fan of Desperado, because Antonio Banderas and Salma Hayek are the main two character voices. Ah, cool. And um, the most coolest character and how I really finally buckled down and watched is because my son's been watching uh, TikTok memes and the uh, wolf with the sickle blades has become a major meme lately. So I'm like, okay, finally, finally, I'll watch the damn movie. That was one badass character. He has these sickles that fold into uh, curved weapons that form around his wrists and he's just flipping around everywhere. And the animation style is very reminiscent of uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, that's mainly for the action scenes. It's pretty Mm -hmm. standard DreamWorks um, animation, otherwise, but it's all blended together and very dynamic. And it was it was a surprise to see that DreamWorks came out with a movie like that. Did it make you cry or almost cry? Um, I wouldn't say it made me cry, but it definitely got the feels a few times. It's it's a very heartfelt movie. It definitely hits on a lot of. relevant themes like mortality and valuing what's good in life over the bad, accepting who you are and what you have in life. It it really is just a good, solid family movie. You don't really see too many of those without some overwhelming social message being pounded into your head. Cool. Looking forward to so, that. So, yeah, I definitely recommend both, especially if you're a parent. Take, take your kids, go see Puss in Boots, or spin it up and watch it on Peacock right now, so I guess it just started streaming yesterday. So, All right. Um, let's see, my recommendations, uh, I have been, uh, getting more and more into Westerns lately, been kind of enjoying the aesthetic of how those gritty guys talk and are grim and they have these badass speeches and whatnot. And in that is, um, John Carter. I'm almost done with that book, uh, like (laughs) the first sci-fi books. And you can tell like in the way that the character speaks from the first person that the writer grew up on Westerns and then decided to remix it into a fantasy epic on Mars. And, uh, it's, it's fantastic. It, it, I can, through his writing, feel the influence through all my heroes of Ari Salvatore, George Lucas, and like all these other people, like also like anime. It's very interesting. Like, uh, this old sci-fi is very, very anime. Um, with how uh, John Carter fights because the uh, gravity on Mars is lesser so that he can pretty much dive and jump as high as a regular anime hero usually does. So he fights that style, which I can't help but think that's where it maybe came from and evolved into uh, what we see in anime. There's like this other one, uh, the Black Star Passes. Um, the, the the way the enemies are described are like Zentradi or other uh aliens um that i've seen in anime so like the seeing the influences as they ripple through time has been a lot of fun to experience um speaking of anime uh i would recommend watching red photon zillion um it's like so in uh one of the first animes i ever watched was voltron uh which is go lion in japan and my favorite stuff in voltron and power rangers is when they're not in the giant robot um, the animation of seeing the heroes dive, spin, and shoot, and get into these like well animated and choreographed shootouts is my favorite parts of those anime. 
and Zillion says, hey, what if we did just that? And they're dealing with um, cool Zentradi-esque um, hyper-aliens uh, who are attacking for an unknown reason. And when the aliens appear, this like kick-ass guitar riff kicks in. And it's like, I'm just having a good old time. They start with their signature weapon, which is they say a Master System Blaster, which I thought was kind of uh, fun as hell to see happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the animation is, once again, like, 80s anime is astoundingly well done. And I keep looking for more of that stuff. So if you like 80s anime or animation and gunfights in anime, a zillion. I can't recommend it highly enough. Last recommendation is a show called Justified, another modern western done by like uh, Elmore Leonard who I'm going to be tracking down his western books um starring Timothy Oliphant and this is like his signature role that I think all other roles orbit and they're trying to bring that character into uh, uh the Mandalorian so if you want to see if you liked him in the Mandalorian you want to see the real one of him being Raylan Givens in Justified because there's going to be like a, it's like 10 years later a sequel series is coming out pretty soon, so getting prepared for that, uh, you have a lot of fun with these amazing characters and lots of great acting and some of the best I've seen in a television series. So if you like gunslingers and great dialogue and plotting um, and acting, I highly recommend Justified. Hey, if you like westerns, um, may I also suggest Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> the, the original series. Um... <laughs> That is definitely on my radar because it's the <laughs> wagon train in space. <laughs> All right. Um, also, I recommend uh, uh, Picard. Uh, they're back on their game. And um, Void, if you just give one more episode, I think you'll see something that you have problems with in that last podcast we did addressed. And, and, and uh-huh. what you mm-hmm. we'll see. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> MJ, where do you find more of you on the internet? <laughs> I'm on all the socials as MJ3342. Hey, tell people how to spell MJ. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes, E-M-J-A-Y 3342. There we go. Uh, Voidcat, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram at Voidcat Gaming. All right, you can find me at Keith Justice on Instagram and at Keith Hayward on Twitter. You can find this podcast and more at popgeeks.com. Thank you for listening. Geek out. Next time.
Time.